0: Right, we'll go, hey, what's up, man? Do you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let me uh yeah, let me send the link to Terrence and uh we can get started. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Let me see. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see if I can hook up my headphones. Okay. Maybe get a better, better quality. Oh,
0: let me uh send you like a new link because uh I think because uh, that one's like linked to the uh, <clears throat> let me see. Uh, let me see. So, yeah, that's not work. Can you okay, hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Do it. Yet, huh? It's kind right. of... Oh. Okay. Hello? Do you hear me?
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, we can, we can hear you. Uh,
1: Brian, are you still on? Yeah, I'm trying to trying to see if I can get the headphones the Oh, okay.
0: They, they, they're,
1: not, uh, they're not, they're not connecting. But it's cool. I just, uh, I just rock rock the way
0: to the table. Oh yeah, like a, uh a few of the topics we're gonna talk about, like uh what what is it like working with like an overachiever, somebody that you know kind of seems like far beyond your level or whatever. Like uh how you not get discouraged and then we're gonna go into like, you know, what what, what our backgrounds was like, you know, like uh growing up, you know, being black and you know, like our, the black community ain't really uh, pushing programming too much. So how do we all grow up? How do we end up getting into this field? You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you did you have any uh, topics?
1: Who, me? Yeah, yeah. You could think of. I said, you know how we do. Yeah, yeah we, just we just freestyle. Start, yeah, we just freestyle, just start talking like we do when we on the phone.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, I think uh, Yeah, uh y'all ready? Yeah. All right. Welcome to the episode of Dakota Station with, with Kevin, Kevin, TC, T-C. and... Mm-hmm. Good, good. Y'all, 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 how y'all doing?
1: Y'all? Man, chilling on it, man. Having a good day. What about, about you, man?
2: Yeah, just taking it easy, man.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: that's good. Yeah. Um, Today, uh, how, how do you, do you, you know, kind of, So, Terrence, so, the so first, first have you mm, worked, 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 worked
2: with somebody I've definitely gone to like meetups and seen other developers I've personally worked with somebody that's like way beyond my level um, that I would consider like a, like a super senior but I have uh, like interacted with developers who are uh, who sort of give off that vibe that they they, they feel like they need to be the the, the fastest developer or they need to to uh to know the to know the solution just like from the jump without actually like uh going through the steps on how they solve something they just know the solution and they wrote it they write it once and then it, it works right how about you, Ryan? uh well you know me man i feel like i'm the best
1: developer on the planet so it'll, right. it, it, it'll be impossible for me to work with somebody who vastly Ahead of me, but uh, but for real though, um, like I know what you mean though. That I've worked with that type of person though, that, that feels like that's where they are. Um, right. you know, obviously, you know, with code, and a bunch of different avenues, a bunch of different languages, a bunch of different technologies, and nobody knows everything, right? But right. you we know, always got that one guy who you know feels like you know they can't be touched, like, um, but even. I just play around like that, but um, there's some people out there that actually feel that way. I don't know if you remember that one guy consult more that came in and uh, remember how Zach was just like all, all on his wop and it was like, Oh you know, oh eating eating this, Ian that. Oh, you know, look look at his uh, GitHub. You know, oh he he built this and he built that. Like they was just like really hyping him up. And he kind of right. walked around with that kind of attitude, uh, like oh like I'm 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 above everybody else. Like I'm the creme de la creme but you know at the end of the day that stuff really don't affect me personally you know what I'm saying because um, I don't really judge you know what I'm saying my capabilities off of what somebody else can do um, Right. now if I have to work with that person like directly like I have to work with that person um I feel like the way that I would address that would be to you know kind of just communicate that as subtly as possible but if it just became a situation where, you know, oh, man, uh, you know, I just can't work with this guy. You know, I think it would just be a matter of me just finding oh, other avenues to just, uh, you know, kind of get on that, get on my own on my own page.
0: Right. Yeah. So like, me personally,
1: i never worked with
0: uh,
2: somebody was, like,
0: completely beyond me. I work with really good, good programs. Uh, you, you know, know if,
1: if there are arrogant, then I think I, think I, kind, I kind of avoid, avoid them. them. You know, I like, like, limit my, my rag- rag- with them. Yeah. How did, you, uh, how did you feel about about me when we first started working together?
0: No, you, you never, never came up with arrogant. arrogant. Like, you you were
1: more like, helpful. Right, right. Did, you, so, right. did you feel Did you feel like I was, you know, somebody that you could learn from, like like that That my skill set was valuable to uh, to pair with and work with?
0: Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel I feel like that's, you know, that's the difference between me and, you know, like I said, I, I talk a lot of shit, you know what I mean? Like I Right. I, 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 but I, that's just my personality, not because I feel like I'm better than somebody or whatever. I'm just like, I'm usually just kind of playing around. But, you know, I'm always like the proof is in the pudding type guy, you know. Other people will tell me that I'm good before I say it out loud, you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I, I definitely like, I enjoy the process of helping other people, you know, especially when I see them growing and developing, you know, developing as an individual. Like, and then they can come back to me later and be like, man, I really appreciate, you know what I'm saying, you taking the time to, you know, uh, help me uh, grasp this concept or looking over my code or, you know, teaching me this or teaching me that. Like, that feels good to me. I, I enjoy that. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, you were definitely helpful in uh, me making progress when I first started program. Yeah. It yeah, was the good old days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, you never had that attitude like, uh, my way is the only way. And, yeah. you know, everybody better follow what I'm doing.
1: Right, right. And, and, you know, I feel like that's super important when you, you know, working on a team, especially when you're working on, like, a small team. I don't know about uh, you, Terrence. Did you, uh, how big was the team that you worked with?
2: Uh, well, right now we're on just a team of three. So uh, it's definitely those times when you, well, I'll have like a path on how to solve a problem. And it, it might look like the, the, we call it the heavy golden path, meaning like there's no errors in my code. Everything's going to be, you know, great. It's going to, it's going to pass QA. And uh, you know my my lead or one of my coworkers are just like, well, what about this and, and what about that? And they try to poke holes in it. And uh, there, at first, you know, I, I would get defensive, you know, uh, for my code and stuff. But uh, over time, you just sort of, well, hopefully, I, I know I personally learned like, hey, they're not being uh, assholes about you know trying to help. They're just. They're just making suggestions, uh, in order to like improve. I hope that right. makes sense. Like, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a thin line though.
1: um It's a it's a thin line between, you know, helping somebody and you know, basically like you were saying, kind of being an asshole or critiquing. Right. Like, like edge cases are definitely you know valuable in coding, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, there's a limit to how much edge casing you know, you can account for because you will, you'll basically end up spending so much time, you know, coding for all these edge cases that may, you know, never happen. And mm-hmm. so, it's, you know, you kind of have to balance between efficiency and, you know, um, effectiveness, right? right. And so uh, I know back back when uh, we were at, uh, one of our, when me and Kevin used to work together, um, you know, we had a, a guy that used to do code reviews and just, they would just nitpick over the littlest things like naming conventions and we didn't even have a real naming convention, but like they'll send, you know, reject some code just because, Oh, th- I think this should be named that. Like at that point, you know, now it's just, you know, he's <laughs> kind of being a <laughs> Yeah. Just, now just being a dick. Yeah. You know what I'm right. like, Come on, man. And I know uh, me, me and Kevin used always, you know, uh, talk about that. Like, man, they they, they sent this back for this. Like, oh well this, you know, this this function over here, you know, it's too long. You need to separate this into multiple functions. Like, okay, cool, but is that really a reason to reject the code? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I definitely get what you mean, but I think that's more of a that's a more of a culture thing than it is, you know, an individual thing. Um, because some companies, you know, I remember you didn't you tell me, Kevin, like one of the places you worked there, like, they didn't do none of that. Like, they just pretty much just let you, you know, commit whatever.
0: Yeah, it's been like that the uh, past few companies I've been at. Uh, you know, like, Angular 2 was a pretty new technology. And when I came in, I was pretty much, like, one of the go-to guys. You know, they didn't really, like, home over my phone like that. You right. know, as long as they could see, okay, this works, then they left it alone. Which you know, I personally love you, said like,
1: you you personally. What
0: I personally love, like, uh, just being able to get my code in the code base without having to take like three weeks because you got these uh code reviewers I want to scrutinize everything, right?
1: But do, you do see value in the code, uh, like review process, though, right?
0: I see value if it's done in a balanced manner, right? Like, so then, the okay, person- so you. Huh. You're, you're the senior guy. You really know what you're doing. And you look at my code and you see that it's either sloppy or, you know, I'm headed for some kind of disaster. I can't foresee. And you come and tell me, uh man, I think you need to do this. That's good. Like, you're helping improve. When it when it comes to, like, I, I feel like I, I have to read your mind and get some some code in. Like, oh, there's Variable and name how I like it, you know. That's when it becomes
1: a flaw. Right, and so that's kind of that that balancing act, right, that I was talking about. Where right, there's a, you know, there's more of a a hierarchy. You know, <clears throat> who determines, you know, what that level of scrutiny is like. How 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 far do you go? You know what I mean. And one thing that like you would find that like larger. Uh, corporations is like, like I said, a, a culture. So, there's usually some hierarchy of people that determine how deep the rabbit hole goes for code reviews. Some people just like you know, you and I, we might do a code review and we're not gonna nitpick on little things because we don't really care about that. But if you're trying yeah. to create a certain culture for your team at a higher level, you have to kind of incorporate some of that nitpicky stuff because you want to kind of guide people in a certain way. You know how, like, you might have your own um, um, uh, lint. you know what I'm saying, your, your, your TS link, where right. the, the way you, you know, you incorporate code, you know, you want everybody to kind of follow the same paradigm. And so you kind of have to nitpick little stuff because you want everybody to kind of write code the same. And that takes you know, that takes time, especially when you have a, new, a newcomer, somebody just joined the team where well, they don't know anything about the code culture. And so that's one of the valuable parts of the uh, code review process is being able to kind of guide people into the lane that you want your company or your code base to kind of adopt.
0: Right. Yeah, like like you said, it's uh, all about balance. Like, you don't want to uh, completely slow down the coding process because – You know, you're just super nitpicky. Like you said, you could use things like Linton to uh, keep syntax and all of that on the same level. Right. So
1: Uh, there's one question that kind of just popped up in my head when we were talking about naming conventions and things. Um, Everybody kind of seems to have their own way of doing that. I know you can probably line up 15 different coders and, you know, give them a certain variable to name. And they'll probably all name it something different. so what 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 kind of like how do you reason about naming something? Like um do you do you are you a fan of abbrevi- abbreviating? Um, you know, like that type of stuff. Like what what kind of how how do you do that?
0: Uh try, you know, when I look at it, I try to make sure something that when I revisit the code, okay, I know what this is. But you also want to be somewhat terse. like you don't want a super long very number. So when I abbreviate, it has to be something that I can easily understand later.
1: That you can easily understand, or that anybody can easily understand.
0: I mean, I you know, personally, we all think that what we're doing, everybody else can easily understand. <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? Exactly. That that's kind of that's the reason I asked that, is because that's kind of the, the, the reason that people have to kind of be quote unquote nitpicky is because it's more or less like the benefit of the whole, like, I'm pretty sure Terrence, a lot of the code that you write doesn't have to necessarily get, you know, um, coded by somebody else as well in tandem. Like usually like what you code is what you code and then somebody else is coding a totally different, you know, piece. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in that context, only you really need to understand, right? Because nobody else is going to be actually recoding or 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 refactoring. But at the end of the day, it's not your code, right? It's the company's code that you're writing for them. So for whatever reasons, if you decide to leave or they decide to get rid of you or whatever, Mm -hmm. like whoever is going to take over that needs to understand as well. So I think I think I, I have a very bad you know, habit of abbreviating. I'll abbreviate the hell out of some uh, barriers. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but, yeah. but for me, it's like, like everybody know what STR is or everybody know what, you know, NUM is. Like, so some things, like I feel like has kind of like code slang, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody knows what that means when they see it. But yeah. then you have to also think about, you know, um, in object-oriented programming, everything is, Everything represents something, you know, that's an actual, like, tangible thing. So regardless of whether that's, you know, um, a user or, you know, an address or a wheel or, you know, whatever, whatever that object actually represents, I feel like it's important to name it something close to or similar to that. As specific as possible without, you know, kind of convoluting the uh, actual underlying meaning
0: right yeah so like character when, when you name your variables what is your focus
2: um try not to be too like long or verbose like one or two words um like if, for example if it's like uh if i'm doing an ajax call to an api right and i'm and I'm, i want to get a response back right i'll usually just say like response and the type of object i'm looking for like response error response subscriptions list or something that says like you know hey this is the response from an API call this is the type of uh, item like I'm getting a list or I'm getting an object so if it's a object it'll be like response like subscription object and I know like I'm only getting one thing I'm, right. not, I'm not getting a list like like kind of kind of like what Brian was saying like STR for strings so I'll put like obj for object or like ARR for array like um I try to make it as readable to other people as possible uh, you know if they don't if they don't understand like STR or ARR then we, we, we got a problem <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why, like, how, do you, how why are you looking at this code right how, exactly how did, you, how did you get here you know? exactly <laughs> uh, and you know like I, I try to leave comments you know in, in the in the code more so Ooh. for other people or even myself, right? Because I'll write something six months ago and I can come back and be like, wait, what the heck, how does this work? And then I have to to reread things in order to to understand it again.
0: So like, yeah, like, what are
2: y'all opinions on comments? Because I some people have the opinion that
0: code yeah. shouldn't have any comments. Yeah, like I mean, your, your code needs to be so legible and so understandable, no comments are needed.
1: Yeah, it's called uh, it's called self-documenting code. Like, basically, I was, just, I was just about to say, when you, when you first mentioned the comments, I was like, oh, you just said a cuss word. <laughs> oh, dang. Well. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's almost like that's the only thing worse than the comments is testing. <laughs> but, um yeah, man, I, I don't know, man. I'm one of those people that I feel like comments definitely have a place. You know, I don't think that they're the bane of coding existence, but at right. the same time, I'm a big advocate for self-documenting code like at the point that you have to leave a comment to tell somebody what that does then there's something that might need a little bit of refactoring to make it more clear so for example um we talk about um let's say naming variables but also naming functions right Mm -hmm. like so if you know, if you just call this this uh, function API call, that's not really, you know what I'm saying, saying anything about, now you have to come in and say what kind of API call it is versus right. saying something like, you know, um, get user, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. requests. Like, okay, I don't have to document that because it's obvious what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that also plays a part when you're looking at a function being too long, right? So I don't know what, what everybody else thought process is, but I feel like at the point that a function gets beyond like maybe 10 lines or so, then it's probably a good idea to kind of abstract some of that functionality out until it's of function And I think that when you start getting into that type of practice, it's a lot less likely that you need comments because every, you know, function has functions in it. And then those functions are named properly. To kind of document itself,
0: yeah. Like, I believe, like you say, like common ain't the, the worst thing ever, but you have to use them sparingly. Yeah,
1: yeah. How 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 much do you would you say you comment in your code? Uh Tony,
2: Dang, I'm afraid to say I feel like I'm on the on the, the blacklist. Um, <laughs> no, like um it's not like too verbose, right? I'm not I'm not writing like like markdown files to comment every little function or stuff like that. Right. But for example, um, uh, like this recent project that I that I had, uh, I was the only developer on it. Well, let me not let me not say that. There were, we had a front end dev. He coded out the front end, and then I, I hooked up all of the the, the back end API calls. Yeah. So for about two years, I was the only one working on it. And recently, it just got sunsetted. Thank God, because it was it was a monolith at after a certain point. But like, um, I had to leave myself comments uh, because the we had files that were so long, like I'm talking like twenty thousand lines of code. Oh wow! That, that uh, whenever we needed to like bug do a bug fix or we needed to um, update something or add a feature, it wasn't like yeah sure let me just go in there. It was like okay how is this monolith gonna change? The, yeah. Uh, to when I, when I make this one change, how is it going to affect the rest of the, the code, the right. code base? So um, I do feel like comments are are good in cases where, like, there's a lot of lines for functions, but yeah. uh, if you're working on a team and, it, and the project doesn't get too large, I think comments aren't that necessary. Like you said, the function should be self-explaining self-explanatory and the variable name should
0: be self-explanatory. Right. For me, where comments came in really helpful was like the business requirements were really complicated. Like, say for example, I leave the project, uh, nobody else is really going to know, you know, everything the code is supposed to do because the business requirements are so complicated.
1: Yeah, I I feel like that's that's the project manager's job to prevent that from happening because I know like a lot of times you know we get we kind of get verbal requirements from our you know what I'm saying from from the business but they don't actually have you know documentation that we can refer to to say okay right. this is what the scope of this project is and then you know I know that we're trying to incorporate that more heavily in 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 my company. But it's still, a, it's, it's still a work in progress, though, because there should never be a code written until the requirements are fully documented out. Like There shouldn't be any question about what, you know, I'm trying to uh, create here and what the workflow is and what the actual use cases are. You know, all of that stuff should be detailed out. But a lot of times, as developers, I'm pretty sure you guys have met the same thing. That just doesn't exist. And so you're kind of right. building that on the fly, like without a without
0: a blueprint, without a roadmap. Yeah, because you remember like the waterfall model where you have to document everything up front, but as we move towards more agile, it's kind of like a schema conscious thing where all the business wants this, uh put this in. Yeah. 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 And you start losing sight of like, you know, what everything's supposed to do because it's split across a whole bunch of different stories.
1: Right. So what do you what do you feel like like, do you do you prefer the agile method? Like,
0: I like the fact that you can iterate quickly, but I also think that our uh, business needs to spend a lot more time documenting what they want to have to do up front.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it'll it basically allow you huh? to kind of take the benefits of. I think without documentation and you know uh, a strict workflow. Uh, it kind of defeats the, the whole benefit of, uh, you know, the Agile process. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that.
0: Because, you, you know, a lot of times the uh, business, they got this concept of, oh, uh, we're Agile, so we could just completely change application into something else whenever we want to. Right. Yeah. 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 It, you know, also, I mean, we got those major change that will come in, it's almost like sometimes we're pushing up the code base to such an extent that, You don't even recognize what it was
1: originally
2: supposed to do. Right. Exactly.
0: What do you think?
1: We,
2: uh, I never really classified. I never really thought about like our our workflow. We just kind of, just kind of classified it like okay, that's the way that we work. Um, I'm trying to think how things uh, are at my company. I guess they're sort of agile. Um, We do scope things out to a degree but then we also try to keep uh, the idea to a minimal. Like we don't want to invest so much time into this idea that when we put it out there, either A, it doesn't get used by our customers or B, it gets sort of rejected. Like, we'd rather just like uh, fail fast, I guess you could say. Like I hear my tech lead say that a lot, like fail fast, right? We just, let's just build it out, build the prototype, put it out there. And then if we see like in our analytics that like customers are using this uh, project, then we can iterate on top of that. Uh, but we don't try to build something so uh, large or verbose that uh, we spend so much time and then it just doesn't get used. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's a
1: matter of, you know, managing the project, you know, in smaller chunks. Cause I feel like um, Agile definitely has its, its benefits, but, At the same time, you can lose all of those benefits if you're constantly rewriting or basically reiterating over the same, you know, you know, and I feel like that's where the, you know, structure has to come in prior to starting the coding uh, or development cycle because it mitigates a lot of that uh, risk. Because if you know exactly what this application is supposed to do, you know, mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of write out the different stories that make up the epic. You know, like you said, like the bigger picture. So we don't necessarily have to do it in this specific order, but we are clear as a team what needs to be done, what we're building. It's kind of like, you know, I right. like just said, hey, build a car and you don't know what kind of car is it? How many doors does it have? Right. To go. You know, like all of this type of stuff, like you have to know that stuff first versus just saying, All right, we know we want to build a car, everybody just just run at it. You know, kind of like what the general idea, what the pieces are of a car, you know, right. but there are more details that we need to have to be able to build the right car, right? right.
0: And you know, what really messes it up is that they say, where you actually turn this car into a truck, you know what I mean? They try to change the application to something completely different
1: yeah yeah and that that's just that's that has to be discipline you know what i'm saying it has to be some form of discipline at the at the at the top to say hey we can't you know allow you know this to completely now obviously if you're building something for a customer that's a totally different you know that's that's totally different but there also has to be a way to recoup that time and money because if a customer says oh i want this but then you know several weeks into the project we're like okay well never mind i want this okay that's fine but you're still gonna pay you know what i mean like yeah right. yeah you, you have to pay for that time that we spent building you know these other features that you signed off on so like there's like i said it just has to be structured in a way to where even if we do have to reiterate you know there's a cost for that
0: right yeah and i think it also comes to uh Whoever is
1: talking to the customer
0: they effectively communicate what can and can be done. Right. So then, oh yeah, we could do that and they just put it on your plate and you know it's just almost impossible to do. Right. Have you ever been in that situation, Brian? You're talking about you talking about what
1: what specific situation?
0: So situation where your company is selling features at the current application is really hard to put that in there, but they just saying, oh, well, "We could do this."
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 been times where they'll sell and that, and not even just a feature, but an out, a whole app, like just offer some screenshots, like nothing even built yet. Like we ain't even built it, and they already trying to sell it. Like it happens right. all the time, and you know that puts a lot of strain and pressure. Um, and it it it, it's, it's, it goes to a different level when they actually promise, you know, a particular customer or something without talking to the developers to see how long that would even take. It's like, oh yeah, we should be mm-hmm. at, we can we can deliver that next month. Like, well, you haven't even talked to me to see how long that, you know, I see, I feel like I can complete that with So, you know, that, that, that just opens up a whole new can of worms.
0: Right. So how, how do you bridge that disconnect between, uh, you know, the salesperson it's for this specific online thing, something that you really realistically it could be done. In. Say, say that again. So, you know, sometimes, like you just said, uh, the sales person, they'll say, Oh, we could do this in X amount of time. And
1: you really, you really know it's going to take longer than that. So, how do you bridge that gap? Uh, I don't. I just, you know, uh, to be honest, that's just that's the accountability thing, right? Like, I'm not gonna, you know, destroy myself trying to meet a deadline that I didn't, you know, estimate. Right? like, if you want these timelines to be accurate, then you have to, you know, there, again, we go right back to the structure thing, right? There has to be a development cycle. Like, we have to know that we can't go out and sell products that we haven't built. And if you do that, there's consequences to that, like missing deadlines. Or not being able to deliver at the time that you promised the customer because you didn't follow the cycle. Right. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I'm not that tight. I'm not gonna try to make up for time that somebody else put on me. Like, if you want things to be done right, then you're gonna have to go through the right
2: process.
0: Right. So what about you, James? Uh,
2: I, I don't. I personally don't see that that level of uh, interaction. I guess you could say, like the. I don't know if that's because of the way that, uh, I guess the way that things are are set up here, but. I do guess you guys do like, things for clients, or do you guys, or your, your work is for income? Uh, my well, work is for income, but I, I guess to sort of relate to the topic, it's more so. Uh, my boss will talk with like the CEO of the company and, and he'll have meetings with other department heads. And then, uh, after those meetings are, you know, adjourned, we have our own standups and that's where sort of ideas sort of trickle down to us as developers. We're like, Hey, we have an idea for the, our product page, or we have an idea for the account page that, that could be cool let's work on on this so uh and i'm sure like there's definitely been ideas that get rejected just from the jump versus hey this would be a cool idea and then we just start devving it out without any sort of direction and then you know a week later it gets changed up so um i guess I'm, i'm i'm grateful that i don't have to deal with those type of situations of back and forth but i know for sure like going into a different company things might be different yeah um, I, I think it depends on if your product is custom, product customer facing or internal
1: mm-hmm. like if you're a product like if you're a software development company where yes. what what you do is build products for other people mm-hmm. then that's when these type of things you know uh come into play because um Or if you're a company that sells a product, you know, that had that you sell to other people. So, for example, you know, we have like an asset management app and we're selling that asset management uh, application or suite of tools to a company. And when the marketing team goes and tries to sell these tools to a company, that company might say, oh, well, we would go with this, but we need this particular solution, and your your, your apps don't do this. Right. And so, in turn, to try to secure that client, you know, our marketing team be like, "Oh, well, I'm sure we can get that added in," you know, right. or "Oh, we we can we can develop something like that, no problem." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Without even consulting with anybody from the development team to see whether not only whether that's even feasible. But number two, how long would that actually take to incorporate So if you're internal and you don't really face the customers, then, yeah, you you wouldn't actually ever have a scenario like that because everything is based off of what the business needs, not necessarily what a customer needs. Right. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. So to pivot to a different subject, I kind of wanted to get into all of our backgrounds and like how did we grow up and how do we get into programming. We're kind of in a, a unique position where we're all African-American. I'm actually uh, mixed, half black, half Korean. But Both y'all are fully uh, uh, black, right? Yeah. Yep. Right. So y'all know that growing up, there wasn't really like, any black programmers on TV, or not really any black programmers that
1: I knew. Did y'all know him personally? Nah, I think the closest thing to a like a tech guy that I knew was a guy at my church, um, but he was more of a um, he was he was more of like a owner on the uh, customer service IT side of things, like at a company, like not a coder. You know what I mean? So, but that's as close to a tech guy that I that I was able to witness growing up. So everything, as far as you know, me becoming a coder and things like that, kind of stemmed from my love of technology and computers. Like, um, and then also the fact that I was an artist as well. So, um, coding uh, just kind of came to me just from my interest levels of the field in, in general i didn't know i wanted to be a coder i just knew i love computers and i knew that i love art and then the dot-com you know boom kind of happened right at in my childhood so the internet was getting big you know so websites were a thing i don't know if you remember like black planet places yeah. like that that allowed you to customize your uh your little page and all of that like that was all like. Trending and real, real, real popular, right? And so right. that's, to be honest, that's kind of where where I started was within just customizing pages for people. Like somebody to see my page and like, oh man, because it was like basically you, if you knew how to do HTML, you could do some amazing things on there. And so right. uh, I learned how to do HTML from that. And I went from that to you know building websites and things on my own. And like I said, since the internet was really um, popping off. It was like that was a, a hot subject matter, you know, and nobody, you know, kind of introduced it to me. It's just something that I kind of fell into because I loved the creative process. And so right. the rest is pretty much history, man. It just kinda kinda grew from that. And then I was a gamer too. So I was just I'm just I was just really into, like I said, technology, um, the internet, gaming, you know, so programming was just kind of a a love child of you know all of those things.
0: So like you personally enough, I think both you and Terrence grew up in what could be considered a uh, hood or dangerous environment. You grew up in stop six or worse, like Yeah. Yeah Terrence you grew up in LA. Yep. So like growing up, did y'all see like a lot of gang activity and all of that around you? Or how was it growing up?
2: Um want to you want to go there yeah, yeah uh i'll go um i guess i'll, I'll just give a little background um uh, like how i sort of got into programming and stuff similar to brian really big into computers super dorky and nerdy and uh anti-social to a degree um and i didn't really know that i loved programming until like i think when I was 18 18, 19 years old when I start when I first like uh, picked up like WordPress um, I, d- I did mess around with like myspace uh, layouts I don't know if you guys use that um, yeah I messed around with myspace layouts for a little bit but I didn't get like too crazy with, with HTML and um, so that, that that's that's just a, a side note but to talk to get on get in on the topic um, yeah, L- LA, LA's, LA is LA. I don't know. I don't know how how else to explain it. Um, you kind of, if, if you grew up, if you grew up here, you kind of know like where to go and and where not to go, yeah. um, and like what colors to wear and what colors not to wear. Um, and uh, it 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 can be tough at times. There's definitely, you know kind of you kind of understand like certain people or you get certain vibes from people that, that say like okay let me not mess with this dude because you know it can escalate quickly right and, and, and uh, I'm not trying to get too deep on, on, to, on onto these uh, onto this topic I'm not sure how deep we're trying to go but it's like growing up in in the hood or uh, having being raised by a single mother you know, she did the best that she could uh, raising me. You know, my uh, without a father figure in my in my household, my my grandfather and my my uh, my uncles definitely did step in and sort of like taught taught me the ropes and stuff. Um, but yeah. it, it, it it can get it, it can get tough, but but having a having a good support system definitely led me to where I am today. I guess that's the best way right. to put it. Because they they saw that I was into programming and that I wasn't trying to act out and you know, run out and join a gang and stuff, and they supported me. They bought me like HTML books and like they they put me in, in, in classes and stuff. And I don't think I would be here if I didn't have a support system that was like pushing me in the direction to become a developer or. Or at least
0: to try and you know get my get my feet wet with, with it and see where I go from there. Right, that's kind of like what I'm trying to get into because you know a lot of us we all kind of have the backgrounds where we could have done other things and you know during the time period in which we grew up, with, being a coder wasn't really seen as you know the cooler thing. Like game was considered kind of nerdy, programmer were nerdy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. It's, how do we all fall into them? Like even now there's not a bunch of black programmers. There's more than there were but yeah I
1: think I think I think I don't I don't think that uh or well, I don't know if any culture you know deems coding as cool <laughs> to be honest. uh I think that the reason that there is a a lack is because like obviously what you are into is one thing but the ability to discover those things is is where we lack i feel like in the black community right. i feel like i feel like the 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 awareness is very low like right. i don't think you know even even if you if you look at you know the type of personalities that we have we still don't fit into the coding world right like right uh, like it's kind of like i'm a fish out of water but i swim so good you know what i mean like i, I right. I'm. People don't ever believe I do what I do. I'll just say that if you just meet me, talk to me, interact with me, like I was the exact opposite. Like I was the smart kid that hung out with all the, you know, <laughs> the hoodlums and the class clowns and, you know, but everybody kind of respected me. I was because I was very sociable. I was I was likable. You know, I knew how to mix. I could mix in any crowd. You know, so it never really was. A thing for uh, for me to like worry about being the cool guy or or doing something that's cool it was always just i followed the beat of my own drum and so coding fell in my lap because i looked for it but if you're not looking for it yeah. then how do you find it you know what i'm saying because it's not in your face nobody's you know wasn't in classes about it You know, there wasn't in in high school. I mean, there were maybe one or two. We had a computer class, but it was all over the place. Like it wasn't like a coding class. Nowadays, they actually have software engineering classes, you know, in high school and even, I think, even in middle school. So the awareness is up now, which is why you're Mm -hmm. starting to see, you know, um, programming and coding becoming a, a much more popular industry because there's a really low barrier to entry and they're being introduced and exposed to it, you know, in schools more now. Man, it's up. like where I'm at in Frisco,
0: they have several coding pools, like for kindergarten like, and up. So kids can get into it really early man. Right. And like, you that would was a really yeah, you coming up. Yeah. But yeah, my story is pretty similar to y'all's. Uh, like video games is really what sparked my love of coding. Like I really love video games. I wanted to know how how can I make one. Yeah, that's pretty much what got me into uh, researching coding.
1: Yeah, and so even even that, you know, that's something that you had to look for, right? Exactly. It's a bunch of you know people that game that never thought about or care about creating their own. But I feel like in every coder, there's a creative, you know, what I'm saying person like. It's the it's it's the love of technology and computers and gaming mixed with the uh, fact that you're a creator, like right. You have, you have a creative mindset, and so just interacting with the technology or using the technology isn't good enough. You want to know how it works. You want to, you know, create that. You know, say you want to do it your own way, and that's the unique part about a coder that you will find across the board, regardless of your background. That's what strings us together. So. I feel like the biggest difference of why you don't see like you said uh many minorities in in uh, coding is not because it's not available. it's just not like it's not pushed like like you said, growing up, I didn't know any coders, and I'm pretty sure like most of the people that i that that I'm close to they don't know any coders but me
0: right
1: you know what I'm saying, and so it's not until after the fact that they actually get exposed. But by that time, they've already picked their, their their role in life. You know? And if you look, even look at yourself, Kevin, like, you you kind of reach that point later in your life. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that I feel like people, you know, they kind of take for granted a lot. Like, oh, it's too late, you know, uh, or, oh, you know, I, I'm already going down this path. So, man, it would be nice to do that. But that's the cool thing about coding is, the, like I said, the barrier to entry is so low. Like anybody can literally do it. Like if you take the time to, you know,
0: right?
2: Yeah, you got to get over that 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 initial hump where like I don't get it. It should be easy. How come I'm not? Like you go you go through that ebb and flow of of I can build anything. You know, I'm on top of the world, and then the next week or the next day, you're like, damn, I can't figure out this problem. Right. Like, Definitely, like uh, when you first start learning it, and you and you ha- you you just build that that uh, that confidence, right? Like you first start learning to code, and you change the color of text from blue to green, or or you 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 build a button, or you you write a button, and it takes you to another web, it takes you to the another HTML page, like all all that's exciting. Um, but it's got to be, I I wanted to like to. To piggyback off what you were saying, like that that creative mind needs to be nurtured, right? right. Like, if if uh, you know my uh, my uncle told me once he was like, you know, if you're into a sport, just let me know and I'll buy you the the equipment. And right. and it, you need that sort of that that feedback where it's like, you know, if you're into chess, you know, let me buy you a chess set and chess uh, chess books to learn. If you're right. at the coding, let me get you a a rinky-dink laptop, and it might not, you know, it might not be the fast, the fastest or the, the coolest, but you open up a Notepad plus plus and you start writing to HTML. Yeah, you know, just, you open it up in a browser. And you, just, you to, got it. Right, just to get your feet wet. So, I think that's what we're missing, at least nowadays, is is that uh, somebody that looks like me on the TV that 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 i can relate to right you know uh, uh there's a lot of people on tv now there's like you know celebrities and and whatnot that that look like us but aren't doing the same things uh, as us and if you ask right. the, if you ask a kid growing up now like what do you want to be when you grow up they say i want to be a youtuber i want to be a TikTok star i want to be an instagram star this that and the other thing right But it's because that's the things that they see all day, every day, day. and and those are their role models. Yeah, and that's
1: that's a good point Um, because what makes somebody feel like they can do something is if they see somebody like you said that look like them that's also doing that. Yeah, and it's like, man, if you can do it, you know, you look like me, then I can do it. Or Oh, if you can do it and you're from the same area that I'm from, mm-hmm. then, you know, because if I see somebody doing it, it's kind of like, think about like a, like, like, uh, you're trying to get into fitness and you see a guy that's already jacked, like, like, well, I mean, I can't get like that. You know what I mean? Like, but right. if you see somebody that looked like you doing it, and like, and you see their journey, it's like, oh, well, they... That's, that's more accessible to me now because I, I can see it. Like, I'm I, I motivated by the fact that you look just like me, and I can do it too. That's just how humans, you know what I'm saying, we naturally work. And so every once in a while, you'll get that person that'll go out and learn and do on their own. But a lot of, you know what I'm saying, the average human being needs to be motivated with their surroundings. Like, they need to feel like, you know, something is within their grasp. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And interestingly enough, there is, you uh, starting to be an update, like, uh, one of my younger cousins, she's actually, uh, she actually said he wanted to get into coding, and you know, like, as much as uh, black men are minority programming, black women are really minority. Right. So yeah. it's kind of refreshing seeing, you know, young black women who want to get into the industry. Exactly. And you know, the good thing about it is that we've already laid a blueprint. So, they have something they can follow off of. Whereas, like, we were going up, we didn't really have anybody uh, uh, telling us what you need to do, and, you know, we pretty much have to find it out from scratch. Right.
1: Exactly. Yep, that's the hump, man, but... I feel like, you know, as as time goes on, um, you know, there's always going to be a push for, you know, coders because I mean, with, with the with the rise of technology, I mean, every you know everything's going to have to be coded at some point. So right. I, I definitely think that you know when you compare, you know, just just you know even five five ten years ago, you know, like coding has become you know, such a mainstay in, you know, uh, like you said, they even have coding schools, you know, now. Like, so I feel like once they started having, like, boot boot camps and coding schools, that that's all you do is just learn that, then I feel like that's when coding really got on the map. And when you start looking at how, uh, like, Udemy and, and, um, you know, all of these, like, uh, tutorial-type sites that people are really... You know, they're making a killing on that because everybody wants to learn how to cope. You know? right. so it's just a matter of time. I think at some point we'll see a rise uh, in minorities. Um, it's just, you know, like I said, it's just a matter of time, man. Once it Once it finally gets exposed to that demographic more heavily and then you have more people, younger people getting into it, that way people can kind of connect with, you know what I'm saying? Um, people that, like you said, looks like them that's doing it. And so it'll become more of a mainstream thing.
0: Right. Yeah, I think our parents also
1: have to take more of an
0: initiative to kind of expose their kids. So you can't force your kids to be in technology, but you can put the computer in front of them. And "Like, Is this something you like to do?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, even my kids, like, you know, like, just watching me you know do what i do they may not necessarily understand exactly what i'm doing but they can see the lifestyle that i lead they can see you know oh well because think about it how many people you know who see somebody that they love or that they're close to doing something that at some point in their life they're gonna be like i want to do that too or i want to be just right. like xyz you know um and it's kind of like that for for me like my kids um my son, he, he he's not necessarily interested in coding, but he sees that as a viable option, right? It's not right. it's not something that's foreign to him. And so I feel like like I said that exposure, you know, is it's just a matter of putting it in a visible, uh, visible place, right? It's like no different than like like Terrence was saying, like the YouTubes and the and the TikToks, like everybody has their eyes on that, you know. So it's just so accessible, it's so visible that it's hard not to see people doing that, and these people are regular people, you know what I mean? Like, these are right. people that, you know what I'm saying, they're, they're not superstars, but they become that because the platform. And so, yeah. it's like, that's the kind of exposure that I feel like Cody needs to be able to um, uh, appeal more to the masses. It just needs exposure, you know what I'm saying? Something that everybody can see. So I feel like, like I said, Social media has, has come a long way to help help the industry uh, move forward and things like that. So,
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like that's why this podcast is important because, you know, a young black kid, he can actually hear guys who are in the industry, you know, are doing it at a high level, and he can say, okay, I can do it too. Maybe I can reach out to them and uh, get a game for them. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Terrence, have you ever been in a position where you could possibly have mentored a kid, or
2: um, like currently or ever? Like ever. Um, we had a we had something similar when I was going to school, uh, where it was like, like a brother was a big brother big sister program, and. Um, we, this was sort of before I, I got into coding, but uh, I think now, like, if I was to sort of go back in time and, and have a message for myself if I was younger, uh, it's it's definitely like. I mean, I'm trying to make a point. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to deviate too too much on uh, on the little details here, but uh, there's there's definitely times when somebody will see me be uh into like working on python scripts or or uh you know in the console on google chrome and they wanted to know how i got in, got into coding and i would just sort of give them a roadmap like okay start on start on code academy right start here yeah. and then if you like the lessons from code academy then come back to me on uh you know when you when you when you completed this or this or this and I sort of give them that first step and then if they complete that first step and they come back to me, then I know that they're serious about it or that or they, they they're they're at least interested to learn that next step. Uh, I don't right. I don't flood them with this whole roadmap of start here and, and learn this, this and this and this and, and learn your algorithms and, and overload them too much because Whoa. that can be discouraging. I've seen certain people, you know, say if you don't know algorithms, you know frontwards and backwards, then you can't get into coding. But that's not entirely true. And, and when you when you put that type of pressure, or you you put that you paint that type of picture for for a newcomer, it's it's very daunting. It's very like uh, it's stressful. I don't, I don't I don't know another word another way to put it, but it's like you make it seem like it's this it's brain surgery and sometimes it's not
1: like it could be it could base basically, basically it could it could uh it could be overwhelming uh, yeah. yeah 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 that and and, and the like I, I feel like that that kind of goes hand in hand with that that whole barrier to the entry thing right like something that looks difficult to do is a lot less likely to be attempted to be done right you know, if you feel like like dunking a basketball, right? Like, right. it's like, man, that's, that's way up there, man. Like, I'm not, gonna <laughs> even, I'm not gonna even try, man. Like, right? I don't even attempt to do that. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I can do that. Where, you know, think not, not realizing that, hey, if you just try, you know, just just go through the process, you know, um, it's it's kind of, kind of that same thing, man. Again, it's just that human nature, man. Like, I know, um, a lot of times, you know, in coding, man. I mean, I. I even come across stuff. Even being, you know, a senior uh, and at this point in my career, a lead, like I still, you know, come across things that kind of, you know, kind of, uh, kind of knock me on my, you know, off my feet a little bit. Like, oh wow, this is like actually Like, this is this is challenging. Like, and you you kind of get brain numb to challenges sometimes when you're kind of doing the same thing, kind of working, going that easy mode for for so long, and then you kind of come across something that really. You know what I'm saying? Stumps you. It's like, wow, like I kind of got re- you know, gotta gotta actually try. Like, I gotta actually put in some effort here. This is <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I definitely uh definitely understand that, that that standpoint, man.
0: But yeah, guys, we're coming up on the hour. Oh, I think this is a good point to end this show.
1: Indeed, indeed, man. Definitely good talk, man. Good. Yeah, I appreciate y'all right, coming man.
0: through on this yeah. note. Peace. peace,
1: peace. All righty.